push past the barriers in the business of woodworking. Welcome to the Push Through Podcast. Jeff, how's it going? Good, man. Good, good, good. I'm excited to talk about this today. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember when we first came up with this series. Yeah, uh, thinking about content for Old Cab, it was fun. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a different. Uh, it's kind of a different concept there on talking about thresholds. You know, as you grow as a business, and it's but it's always been something that um, I've been pretty passionate about because it's uh, it's it's definitely relatable. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's something that interests everybody and they don't, you know, they, they're aware of the thresholds they have, like where they're at right now, but they don't <laughs> think about either the ones that are in the past or they forgot about the ones that they had in the, uh, sorry, they forgot the ones they had in the past or they, they don't know the ones they have in the future. Sure. So, right. Um, well, uh, what's, you know, what's the best thing you've seen today? this week what's what's uh well, what's on your mind besides this podcast <laughs> besides the podcast beside the business in my spare time i'm um uh, still don't say pizza yes i'm obsessing about pizza so still <laughs> okay i'm just gonna lay it out for you here so been killing it on the dough side killing it but i uh okay I came up with a new one been doing more research and and doing what's called a poolish p-o-o-l-i-s-h and it's a pre-ferment for your dough. Basically, you make it the day before, and it's um, you know gets you more flavor in your dough and stuff like that, and more kind of aromatic. And um, did that last week and tweaked the recipe a little bit, put a little, a little bit of rye flour in there, and uh, man, it's just it's it's on another level. I'm just gonna say that. I mean, if if you ever want to come down, look at my shop. Give me a few days in advance notice and I'll whip up some pizza while you're there and uh, we'll have a big time. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start a pizza podcast after this. I mean, it's it's only going to become necessary because it's it's uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous um, when you start going down that rabbit hole. It's it's just like anything else. It's 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 got a science to it. And that's that's actually the part I think I enjoy the most. Um, it's just. We started getting kind of like this, an art. Yeah, you get into the science and the art of it. It's just kind of like when you start meshing those two things together, it just it kind of becomes fun. Yeah. Well, what what is like the what's the key to pizza dough? Is it is it is it the ingredients? Oh, no. Is it the well, time, I mean, the fermentation time? Part of it is the ingredients, but it's all about timing. It's all I mean, there's there's only a few ingredients and and it's all about timing. It's just, you got to do this at a certain time. You got to knead it a certain way until you get it to a certain, you know, certain consistency or whatever. And then, you know, you got to let it sit for a certain amount of time. And then, and then you got to make your actual, you know, pizza doughs at a certain, in a certain way to keep the air in it you know, and things <laughs> like that. So it's just, it, it's just one of those things. It's all about timing. Okay. Well, I'm sure we can apply that somehow. Sure, we can we can convert this into a, a business lesson of some sort. <laughs> what about you? What's going okay, on? Well, the best, best best thing I've seen. I'm actually I'm going to share two things because we just talked about one of them. But um, uh, one, you know, we just moved into like new office space. Um, what last earlier this? I guess last month, and um, we bought. I decided to you know, hey, we're going to get new furniture. We might as well like get, you know, really nice stuff that we we can use for a while. We're not going to be upset with whatever. 
and um, I just always enjoy seeing the marketing of other companies. Yeah, see what their the experience is like. What can I take away from it? And what I loved, so I ended up going with this company called Fully, um, F U L L Y, and uh, they're all e commerce. They don't do you know anything like local necessarily, but you know what stuck out to me is their the whole focus was on health. Um, you know, their stand up desks, really nice, really good quality. But even like all the chairs they sell, they're all ergonomical to like a really weird extent. Like they mm. don't look like a normal chair. And like, yeah, anyways, the focus on health is really what got me. Um, and no one else was really talking about that in the same capacity. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's good to stand up, you know, when you're working. Right. But I mean, they really took it to the next level um and i really love every single desk and piece of furniture we've gotten from them super go check it out it's really cool really cool um but we just talked about i know that i mean i think i've mentioned this before but you're you're definitely like italian or something in the background because you got pizza (laughs) and then coffee right Uh you are you are like on another level i know and, and I don't, I don't know where it all comes from, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a disease, I think. So I don't know. It's, it's, something. I'm same, <laughs> well, yeah, same way about coffee. I'm kind of, kind of nuts about it, you know? So I just showed him this thing called nine barista, <laughs> which I think is just really cool to see, you know, the, I love seeing, um, just a really well-designed product Oh yeah, and like the thought and everything that went into it. And Nine Baristas is basically a stovetop espresso maker, but it makes like perfect espresso. According to what they say, I may end up buying it. It's like a 400 buck yeah. piece of equipment there, but um, it's really cool. And it's just cool to see the thought and everything behind it. Oh, and yeah. uh, that's probably one of the coolest things I've seen this that week. That is pretty cool. Very cool. So, well, with Growing Past Thresholds, um, I really wanted to share a a story um, that come actually from start with why a book by Simon Sinek. If you haven't read it, it's just, it's really great for knowing that knowing what you want and how much that matters to what you're doing. Um, That why is, is really where you should start. It shouldn't be with what or how, and when you're running your business, you have to think about the why and it really changes the the way that you think your vision and the trajectory of your company. But um, in that, he talks about a guy named Samuel Pierpont Langley. And um, Samuel Pierpont Langley was a professor at Princeton, and he was commissioned by the U.S. government to um, to build the first flying machine. This is in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, you know, they gave him a $50,000 grant, which at that time, I mean, you're you're like in- Yeah, unheard of. With inflation. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, millions. And he had access to the best engineers from the top universities in the world, the best talent in the world. And so he pulled together all these people and they decided to like start building the first flying machine. And I think, you know, I'm excited to share the end of that story at the end of this episode, but I I just, I think what people, what I want to get at with that story is people would jump at that opportunity to like, have all of the resources to build their shop and have like the best machinery, the best employees, you know, all these different things. And that's, and they feel like that's what's actually holding them back back. That's the threshold. Right. And while some of that may be true that like capital, yes, it does help. 
that, you know, experience, yes, it does help and talent. It is helpful. That's not what is going to get you to grow past these thresholds. Um, and you know, it's really about the why that you have, um, that's going to actually give you the motivation to push through these. So, right. um, you know, when we first did this, you know, and we'll, we'll link to all of the articles for everybody, um, as we talk about it, but when we first did this, what was the inspiration for you, um, as we were strategizing this, what was that inspiration? Well, really the, the main inspiration behind it was just look, taking a look back and realizing that every, every, you know, along the way, as we were growing as a company, we grew pretty rapidly at the first, um, but I, I, every, every time we got to a certain threshold, um, or, and we relate in, in the articles were related to a dollar amount just so it's easy to follow. Um, so like the $250,000 mark or the $500,000 mark per year, um, you know, every time we get to those, there was kind of like this, in some instances, it's a self-imposed threshold of something you got to mm-hmm. get past something, something that's got to change in your business fundamentally for you to get to the next level. And and it was just kind of a looking back at at those at that process of growing through those thresholds and what were the key points and really really what I was trying to do by making the articles was just make it a little bit easier for the people that are going through it so they don't have to do it like I did which was what I considered the hard way um, and yeah. then there's definitely an easier way to do it to where when you not only when you come out of that threshold you're stronger but you may just blow right through the next one because you're you're already you know getting ready for it right right. <laughs> So, so let's define like, what is a, a, a threshold? Um, yeah. How, so for instance, like a brand new company, for instance, like somebody doing $0, um, this may be something like, um, you know, an, an owner operated company, maybe one employee, but you know, that, that early threshold is just going to be getting like, you're pretty much doing work kind of in the friends and family network or something like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's just the getting started phase. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. And I I think it could present itself in many different ways, right? There's actual physical things that are thresholds like, um, you know, literally we don't have the capacity space uh, or there's space. Yeah. Or there's even, mm -hmm, there's even the mental ones, right? Like, Oh, I can't do this or I don't have enough time or my team isn't capable. Um, or that's not possible. No one will buy for that amount. Yep. You know, different things like that. Right. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the keys to like overcoming these later, but let's just outline the, the thresholds as a whole. Okay. So the first, we have five different steps. What are they, um, you know, start with the first one. So we kind of start with that zero to $250,000 a year range. Um, uh, and then we go from, from there to the 250 to 500 range. Um, and it's kind of a, we call that the brute force and awkwardness phase, you know? So you're, you're just, you're just in there grinding, pushing, pumping through, just trying to, trying to grow your, grow your business, whatever it takes. Uh, the next step would be kind of the, 500,000 to a million dollar. And it's kind of what I refer to as the, the good old days. (laughs) And there's, there's a few reasons for that, but that's kind of what I call the good old days. Um, 
And then there, after that would be like the one. So we're now we're getting into the bigger thresholds where you're making bigger jumps, uh, one to two million dollars. And then you're you're kind of in the what have I done phase now. And, um, and then after that, we make an even bigger jump in the two to $5 million range. And that's, that's kind of where we're at now. And, and I'll, I'll just kind of re- relate this one to feed the beast. So you've, you've got something that's got some size on it. Now you got, you got some stuff rolling and now you're just needing to just feed it, you know, add, add fuel to the fire. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. I think it's, it's great to have those little barrier or those little metrics as far yeah. as like revenue. And I think although you may have some of the same metric or same of the same difficulties in all of these, um, like a head trash would be an example. Like you can have head trash throughout all this, yeah. you know, um, that you don't even believe it's possible to build a $5 million shop or a hundred million dollar shop. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there are some key things that go into each. So I want to talk about just identifying thresholds to start and I'll let you share some and I'll share some as well, but mm-hmm. For you, how do you identify a threshold for you that you need to break through, that you need to push through? Well, a decent example would probably be where I'm at now. So like I said, we're in that 2 to $5 million range, and I'm at this place where uh, generally it ends up being where <clears throat> there's no more room on my plate, you know, and that's what I call it. But there's just, there's not a lot of room left on my plate. I'm doing too many little tasks, and I'm not focusing enough on the business. And anytime that happens, that just means that I need to either hire another key employee or we need to figure out a way to delegate more responsibility to the current people that we have, whatever it is. But generally, the threshold is either around me and my time or it's around um, it's it's that we have improved and made things in the shop efficient enough to where we've kind of pushed the bottleneck onto sales. And, and we're kind of in the middle of both of those right now. So we're, we're in the middle of, we need more sales. We've got a sales process. We've got marketing, we've got Mm -hmm. sales people, but we're, we're, the shop is generating work at such a rate, uh, and efficiency that we, we, we need more sales to continue to feed the beast, but my Mm -hmm. time, and generally that's where I would step in and I would, I would start to get more sales myself and then kind of hand those off to somebody and, Right now, my time has been so short that um, or spread thin between all these other activities. Between we got a lot going on at the shop as far as improving goes. Of course, we're in the middle of the whole COVID nonsense, so there's not necessarily a lot of extra work going around right now. And um, right, so you know, I'm spread a little bit thin in general, and uh, been working on just several little projects, and and I haven't been able to focus on sales in a little while, so. Um, so yeah, you, usually it's one of those two things. It's either sales or me or kind of a combination or both. Yeah. Well, I think, um, and I, I think you'd probably agree with this. Um, well, let me share mine and I'll kind of yeah. share a little bit more about identifying them. But, you know, for me, I think the stress is what is a huge indicator. If my stress is through the roof, there's a threshold. For sure. There's something, there's something that I'm having trouble breaking past. Um, it just doesn't feel right, you know? And I think the next thing is when I stop, I, whenever I start to realize like I'm running out of things that I can improve, which seems crazy, but, um, running out of ideas of things that like, man, what could I do better? Whenever I feel like I'm like stuck in, in that, I know that I've also reached a threshold. Um, and then, you know, 
right. For, I'll just give an example. Like right now, we're our team. You know, we're not in manufacturing, but in a sense, we do manufacture content yep. for for businesses. We we do have like processes where we're we're creating, and I'm I'm realizing right now that we're at a at a at a point where we probably need to duplicate our team. Um, it's not as easy for us to just hire another employee that can do everything. Uh, we, you know, we, we work with a team. So yep. we've got an account manager who works directly with clients. Then we've got a marketing uh, specialist who is going to, you know, complete a lot of the tasks. We've got a content editor who is really just creating content, making sure content's really great across the board. And then we've also got a graphic designer and, that graphic designer might be able to just be that stay still, but really we have to duplicate like three roles at one time, mm-hmm. which is really difficult yeah. to just add another team. Uh, but I'm, I'm realizing that we've kind of reached that point where it's like, Hey, we have to make that transition. Um, and the, the way that I've recognized that is that everybody's just a little bit overwhelmed. It's not just one role, right? Everybody has it. Um, so it's not like I can just find one extra thing to fill somebody's time or to help somebody with their tasks. I've got to get everybody, you know, duplicated. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting time. I think the the what I wanted to say is the biggest thing that will help you and helps me. I'm sure the same thing for you uh, to identify thresholds is just working with others. Um, you know, knowing other business owners, knowing uh, other cabinet shop owners, talking to them regularly. Having a business coach is super helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just you just don't know your own bald spot. We can't you can't see yeah. your own bald spot. You don't know what you don't know. And you've got to have you don't need to compare and like be jealous or like feel bad about where you're at compared to somebody else, but you do need to just have those candid, open conversations with people. Yeah, and you gotta be able to the, the great thing about being able to identify them is that yes, it, it's gonna point out your weak spot, but then you've also got to be willing to act on it because if you don't, I mean, you'll get stuck in a threshold. You know, for instance, we got stuck in the seven, that 500, $750,000 range, you know, before a million, we got stuck in that for years. And when I say years, Mm. it was probably, God, I don't know. I mean, it was four five, six years. It was a while, but we went from a million to two in just a little over a year. So yeah. there's a lot of it's just getting out of your own headspace, and, and just because it, a lot of it was me, it was just, you know, I was stuck there and I knew what I needed to do. You know, I knew that it was bigger than me at this point. So I needed a salesperson so I continuously would be selling and, you know, I needed mm-hmm. a few of the other things administratively and, and I just wasn't willing to do it. But then once I finally uh, forced myself to do it, it's like it just started opening the doors. So generally, the path is kind of highlighted. We just got to decide to go down it. Right. Absolutely. Well, um, let's jump into like, you know, we've talked about how do you identify a threshold, but let's just talk about some of the like thresholds that are in each of these areas. So like, you know, that I think this, I call it the honeymoon phase. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, early, zero to 250. Yeah. So we're kind of in like the friends and family network. We've maybe got uh, a couple mm-hmm. of contracts that we're doing that maybe is a little bit of re- regular work. But as the most part, we're either working for our friends, working for our families, or working from a referral that stemmed from them. You know, so it, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're talking about especially manufacturing or cabinets, it doesn't take a lot of work to get through this phase. But right now you are definitely like a yes, yes, man, yes, person. You're, if there's work available, the answer is yes. That's yeah. And that's the way I was. It was just like, Oh, you want something built and it just is even relatable to wood. Yes, we can do that. And we did everything under the sun, uh, yeah. From furniture to cabinets to moldings to you name it. We did whatever was paying the bills. And um, that that was our path, you know, maybe the normal path. Um, yeah. And I'm definitely not going to say that was the right path at all because uh, it definitely stunted our growth a little bit later by being a yes man. Because the, the problem with being a yes man is you become a yes man and it's really difficult to get out of that, that, that loop. Yep. It is really difficult to be if you can be disciplined at that early phase and just start identifying kind of what your niche is, even mm-hmm. if it's still a broad, you know, deal, just try to stay away from all the stuff that doesn't fit to that. You know, furniture is not cabinets. They're two mm-hmm. totally different things. You know, moldings are not cabinets. You know, molding is not furniture. You know, it's, you kind of got to pick your lane and at least stay in that. Even if it's a wide lane, at least stay in that lane. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think something that um, something that whenever you're first starting, you don't think about those things because you're just so excited. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you you see a dollar amount and it's like, oh wow, like we're getting like a you know, fifty thousand yeah. dollar job or a hundred thousand dollar job. Wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. You know? Um, and although that is a it can be a good thing, you might be going in a disaster. Like you're not really aware of your profit margins. Yeah. You're not really aware of, you know, accounts receivable and that you may not get paid, but have to go buy the materials, yes, um, exactly. things like that. Exactly. So I, I think the most important thing that I would recommend to somebody in that early stage is go and find somebody who's experienced and learn from them, find a mentor, yeah. a coach, whatever it is, and just work with them to make sure that you're building on a good foundation because you can get into trouble. Yeah. Find somebody that's doing a million or more. Find somebody that's got 10 employees or, or something. Somebody that's quite a ways ahead of you that you know have been there. Don't find somebody mm-hmm. that's doing 10 or $20 million a year. You know, somebody that's totally unrelatable, but find somebody right. that's in that path of where you're going, you know, say around the million mm-hmm. mark or something that, that it's at least can remember being exactly where you're at. I mean, they're, yeah, you may think they're competition, but more than likely, people people like to talk, especially when it's about their trade. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is know what you're good at. Um, For sure, just figure out what you're good at and stick to it. Yeah, you, know, you kind of mentioned that already, niche. Um, but don't feel like you've got to be everything to everyone. Yeah, we was and- way we was way too wide at the first. We was never great at the highly custom stuff. We was always better at just kind of the, the middle of the road production. We were better at the, you know, stuff you could set up repetitive systems for and we knew it, but we, we, a lot of times would take these jobs that were really exotic and high end. And it would just, like you said, that hundred thousand dollar trinket in the water, you know, and you just go chasing it. And before you know it, you've lost money on it just because it wasn't our deal. Yeah. Absolutely. So in that, you know, in that zero to two fifty uh, threshold, mm-hmm. you know, the normal path is just to take on that yes man mentality. Right. But the what we would say the accelerated path 
would be to really focus on your strengths, to play, uh, to really build your team well, and um, to find help from other people, whether it's a other cabinet shop or other woodworking company, furniture company, um, or uh, a coach, whatever sure. it is. Yep. Do it early. Yeah. So let's talk about the 250 next stage, okay. right? So yep. the brute force and awkwardness. Why is why is it brute force and awkwardness? There's something about this phase that is just you're growing. You've got repetitive revenue month, you know, month in, month out. You're doing whatever, 30, 40, 50,000 a month. And uh, so you, you've got some recurring revenues going. So you're starting to feel like or starting to understand what it feels like to be a real company. But it, you're still learning. So every day you're just learning new stuff. So it's just like every job you're having to just power through, power through. And it just takes it takes brute force to get through it. And it's awkward because it's just everything's still kind of new. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's talk about the normal path. What is it that, you know, normally people are, are, are doing? I mean, you've kind of mentioned it already, but like, what are the common mistakes that you're seeing? Well, I mean, for me, um, for me, I never did like when I was in this phase, we were, we were growing faster than I, I was learning about my craft, you know? And mm -hmm. I, again, I did not have any kind of mentor or anybody like that that would help me out. But I, you know, I just didn't have any processes. I didn't have any, um, standardization. I didn't have any means or methods of how to do it. We had no equipment, you know, we were, we were still still really small, still very manual, which is fine, but that shouldn't hold you back from having processes and systems. You'll just update those as you get new equipment and, and new people and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I, I never did make it a habit. Um, and, and I feel like that was where I failed as a young business owner, mainly because I didn't know any better. You know, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and I bet you, yeah, I'd be willing to bet, sorry to cut you off, but I would be willing to bet that of businesses that fail, you know, they say, what is it? 95% of small businesses fail within the first two years yeah. or something, whatever that stat is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I would be willing to fail this or, or bet that this is the phase where most businesses mm -hmm. fizzle out and fail. Yeah. I, I think it, it's true because it, it gets to the point where your problems, you know, the, you, when you're small, you have problems, but you can manage them. Yep. But when you get to it, when you get to this threshold and definitely the next one, for sure, when, when you haven't really worked on your problems, yep. it, it's, you know, more money, more problems. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. And everything just becomes amplified and it gets to the point where you actually, you're going to get so frustrated and stressed out that you may not be able to do it by yourself. Yep. Um, but I mean, this is when people are, you know, usually trying to hire more people, um, this is whenever they're really trying to maybe go into a bigger space. Are they, are, you know, they, do you think they're looking at, um, machinery at this point? They're probably or looking, yeah, probably considering it, um, probably starting to consider getting away from all the manual processes and starting to, uh, maybe look at a, a certain type of, uh, CNC or sliding saw or something to that effect and help, help make things a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, looking at a little bit of machinery, but nothing, nothing crazy at this point. Yeah. So that would be the normal path, you know, on, if you're going to be on the accelerated path through this, what would be your biggest, you know, uh, tips and, um, 
you know, advice to somebody that's in this stage, but wants to accelerate past it? Yeah. So there's a few, cause this, this to me is probably the most important step. If you ask me, if, if I was going back to redoing my business, this step right here is the one that I would probably really focus in on, not, not rush my way of getting through it and use this as the foundation of your business. Cause that's exactly what it is. If, um, I think through this phase, uh, I would be pulling very as small amount of money out of the company as you possibly can. I mean, mm-hmm. keep it all in there. If you can live on $10 an hour, do it, you know, just whatever you can do to not pull money out of the company right now, it's going to be worth $10 for every dollar you put in the company later. So, um, it, you're, cause you're just, you're just investing in your company right now. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would highly consider outsourcing what you're not good at, whether that be, um, doors or drawers or box parts or moldings or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a hundred things to outsource, but there's, if you really need to take a look at what you are good at and start honing in on that and outsourcing what you're not, because you need, you got to remember anything that you do in house has a fixed, uh, expense component to it, whether it be labor or overhead or whatever it's it's there's a fixed expense that goes with doing that in-house um yeah but anything that you can outsource say like cabinet doors that's an easy one to start with because so many people do it you outsource cabinet doors you've just turned that into a variable expense that's only there whenever you're buying product you know so if Mm -hmm. if all of a sudden you get slow and you don't have product to build well you're not spending any money on any overhead or anything like that you know at Mm -hmm. that point so yeah um, absolutely. And then this is, this would be a great time. This is something I did not do at all that I should have is I really should have started thinking about, um, kind of the company and the brand and the, and the marketing and the selling and start understanding what it takes to build a consistent, um, sales process mm-hmm. and should have really invested in, in the brand and the company really started getting that out there. So every time we're producing a product, every time we're delivering a product, there was a brand recognition component that came with that, you know, whether it was mm-hmm. a little bit of advertising or some, even as something as simple as signage on all the vehicles, whatever it is, just something that, that reinforced the brand with everything that we did. Cause again, yeah. you're, you're building the foundation. So those first few early customers can lead into, you know, a bunch of customers down, you know, for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think for most people, uh, that are in this phase, this is, you know, when the vicious sales cycle, um, really, really hits place Yep. where you are, you're scrambling to go sell. And then once you've sold, you've got a ton of work and now (laughs) you've got to go and do all that work Mm -hmm. and you don't have any time to sell. Yeah. So by the time you finish all the work, you're really needing sales and you're just running back and forth between sale and production, sales and production. And what people fail to remember on that, that vicious sales cycle without getting too much on a tangent, you know, when you're selling, you're, you, you don't have any cash and then you start landing all that work and you have to produce it. So you quit selling and it going, it's going downhill, but your cash is going uphill because you're producing. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's this meeting point at zero there where everything's beautiful for a few minutes where you've got cash, (laughs) you're producing work and it's like, you're in this little sweet spot and you're like, Oh yeah, life is great. And then all of a sudden you start going through those sales, you start going through that cash 
and those lines start getting farther apart. So I think the goal is to try to compress those down to one straight line where you got continuous sales with continuous cash. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, so I gotta say, that was pretty well said. You know, just right off the gate. No, I mean, that, no, you, know, you did good there. I'm gonna tell you. Let's uh, let's just call it there, guys. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the good old days, Jeff. Five hundred to one million. Yeah. Um, you know what is kind of that normal path, that normal growth? This one, um, this one is is a pretty tough because you got to make you. This is where you'll start really investing. Um, this is where it's starting to get bigger than just you as an owner. You know what? You can't just handle everything. You can't sell it, collect it, invoice it, sell it, market it. You know, uh, build it, whatever. You can't do all of it. So this is it's starting to get bigger than yourself. And it's, you know, the normal path is not realizing that in time, you know, so you continue just to try to push and push and push and push as an owner and do it all yourself. And which is, and that's the way I did it for the most part. But I did realize the the necessity that I was going to need somebody that could help me like a right hand person. And he's been with me for pretty much the whole, the whole way, you know, for all 15 years of my business. And that really, for me, kind of clicked. It's like, well, hey, I did that. And then we just jumped through a threshold. It's like, what can I do next to get through the next one? But I think the the more accelerated path, the way to get through this phase easier is to start realizing how important it is to build a fantastic team, you know, and not just settle with, not settle with um, just having a media, mediocre. mediocre team. Yeah, like you know, yeah. mediocre labor, mediocre employees. This is where you really, if you would start hiring right and, and using some of those practices we've talked about before of, you know, putting on working interviews, things like this, where you're taking a little more time and not just hiring a heartbeat, man, you can build one heck of a team and just mm-hmm. rock and roll. Um, also the, on the accelerated path is going to be building that sales process, you know, like where you have got where sales is a continuous focus on a, at least a weekly basis, if not daily. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's part of your routine is, is selling. And maybe you're still as the owner, you're probably still the salesperson. I know I was, and that's mm-hmm. completely fine, but it's gotta be a process. It can't be, Oh, you know, crap. I'm out of work. Now I gotta go sell. Now I got too much, you know, it needs to be a continuous process. So that line's always kind of trending up and to the right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, the biggest thing, you know, for, for somebody that's in this stage and to really think about, and I know that you've done a really good job with it, but just focus on your culture so yeah. much. It's not just about finding people that are, have experience or talent, like find people that have the right values and people yeah. that are self-starting because the more people you have that are willing to, you know, make decisions and take risks and learn from it and, you know, be invested in what you're trying to do, the easier your life is going to be. Yeah. Um, because if you have just even one or two people that don't fit and you've hired them and you really need them, and it's not something that you can just let go of them and be okay, but like you actually need them, but it's not a good fit, your culture goes downhill. It just takes one bad apple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially at this point where you don't have a lot of employees. But mm-hmm. the other other big thing in this in this step right here is going to be starting to learn the process of firing yourself as an owner. And by that, you know... Um, 
by that we mean you're firing yourself from the things that you know you don't need to be doing as an owner that are holding the business back, like being on the table saw and cutting out parts or building cabinet boxes every day. Um, at this point, you the business is bigger than just you. You've got employees. you got customers mm-hmm. that are counting on you. So you need to be in a position where you can start working on the business because you've got a responsibility for it now. It's bigger than just you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, we've, we've covered three of the stages. Yep. We've got two more. So 1 million to 2 million. Yeah. I love the, what have I done? <laughs> what is the, uh, what's the normal path? Well, for me, we w- actually went through this <clears throat> phase pretty quick. Um, but a lot of that was attributed to the fact that we made a really good hire. We, we found a great salesperson that had a, a, a lot of work that they're bringing in that they already had. Um, and the company that they worked for was kind of no longer doing what they was doing. So, um, you know, we, we hired a full-time salesperson and was able to just kind of ramp off and go from there. But it, it also highlighted a lot of systems and things that, that we did not have in place and we, we weren't ready for it. So that's kind of why I labeled it the what have I done phase because it was like, okay, you've got what you've asked for. Here you go. You know, now you've got mm-hmm. it. So now what are you going to do with it? So I think I think the, the things that started, you know, kind of crop up during this phase for me was the administ- a lot of stuff on the administrative side. You know, the, the, yeah. the accounting, the finances, the... Uh, you know, the, the HR that, yeah, you, be, at this point we probably had 12 employees ish somewhere in that area. So now you're managing personalities and, you know, just, so you have all these things that have started cropping up that you didn't have before. So that was, uh, that was kind of the route that we took. So kind of looking back at that, um, from the accelerated point of view, if you want to get through this a little bit easier is, um, like really you know, we talked about it at the very first, uh, you know, at the 250 range, but really, you know, this is beyond being a yes man. At this point, you, you ought to be not just in your niche, but you ought to be just killer at your niche. Like you ought to be that guy, that person, that company that serves that niche, whether it's, you know, uh, high end custom, what cabinets of of a certain type or whatever, you know, you, you are that person to go to for that, that niche. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just honing in on that specific thing and becoming the go-to person for that. Yeah, that's good. I think, um, I think, you know, you, you talked about your, your salesperson having such an effective role. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a big leap for a lot of people and they may have a salesperson, but going out and find, I've, I've heard that from several companies, Yeah. but finding, finding like a really solid salesperson, someone who is, you know, really going to just be so, so self-sufficient and yep. really bring value outside of just sales, but adding to the, to the process, to the network, to all these yep. different things. I mean, that is such a key thing for people and can really make this so much easier. But I think at the same time, there's things that you have to worry about with that. Uh, I mean, same thing, more money, more problems. What are the things that you would like make sure that people have in place before they hire that really key sales hire who is, you know, senior level 
what would be your your warning? I mean, <clears throat> it it's the hardest part about taking a salesperson at first is the cash requirement of having mm-hmm. a salesperson. I mean, you're you're going to have some money in them before you ever get a sale produced. You're going to have to have extra employees to handle that workload. So you're there's there's a certain cash requirement. You know your your receivables go up, your payables go up. So all that stuff follows with it. So you need you need to make sure you're in a cash position to be able to handle that. Um, we were in an okay cash position to handle it. And I think I definitely probably like most people underestimated it. Um, um, but, Mm -hmm. but we made it through it. Um, the, the other thing is you should be in a mindset at this point uh, of automating as much stuff as possible, whether it's from, Mm -hmm. from your, like we use Trello extensively. If you've followed our blog at all, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff on Trello, we automate as much of that project management type stuff as we can and just make it redundant to where if that's not on your plate as an owner, you can focus on the things that crop up from having a salesperson, like all these other things that you haven't tended to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, I think in the article series, we talked about at this point, learning a little bit about, you know, the difference between scaling and selling. Um and this is one that I'm still trying to master, um, figuring out how to scale our company because you you hit it on the head. It's really hard to find a salesperson that's going to do more than just bring in volume because the problem with the salesperson just bringing in volume is that volume could very easily leave with that salesperson if they decide to change yep. positions or roles or retire or whatever, go mm-hmm. to another company. So you've got to learn how to scale. and And for us... That means, you know, moving a lot of things to the internet where we're selling uh, some of our products online and every year Mm -hmm. we continue to grow that year over year. So, um, you know, I think you've got to start figuring out in your niche, in your zone, how can you scale that beyond just hiring another salesperson? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's move on. Um, And just for listeners, we are going to do individual whole episodes on each of these areas. Um, but we're just giving an overview sure. of all of these yep. uh, today. So if you feel like, wait, hold on, like go back, go back, go back. Go back. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that stage. Yeah. I want to know more. Uh, we're going to, we're going to cover it in more depth. Um, and actually we've got something else to talk about at the end that I think will be an exciting opportunity for a lot of shops. For sure. So, um, yeah. Two million to five million. Feed the beast. You know this um, one. This one. That's is where you're at right yeah, now. This is where we're at right now, and um, we're we're kind of in the middle of that zone, and we are, and that's exactly what we're doing. We, our our shop is, I'm, um, I'm happy to say, is crazy efficient. Um, we're producing more work per man hour than we ever have. Um, and and it's very quality product. I mean, it's just, everything is clicking really good on the shop floor side. We are honestly having a hard time keeping up with the sales. Um, we're in that position where we make a sale, we put it on the floor, we produce it and it's out the door and it's, that's great. We just don't have a lot of buffer built up on our sales right now. We are just literally turning work loose and putting it on the shop floor. And it's, it, it's a good problem to have. It's a little scary because you have got the overhead to go with this to support this um, this beast mm-hmm. and everything. So it's a little worrisome being so caught up on on your sales. Uh, but as we all know, that can change. You know, 
with just a few phone calls, um, you, you could change this really quickly. So we're, we're, where we're at right now is we are figuring out ways to get more recurring contracts, things that are, mm-hmm. that we don't have to go out there and actually sell things that are coming to us. And we've got a few of those in the pipeline that we feel like, um, are going to lead to some really good work in the future that are, that's going to get us to the next threshold that I'm excited to write about, which would be the five to 10 million range, you know, and that's, yeah. that's where we're heading. I'm not scared of that threshold at all. In fact, I'm excited about it, but I think in, in this, this, um, this zone right here, this is where we've got to really figure out how to scale. We can't just rely on salespeople beating the street, knocking on doors. This is where we've got to figure out how to scale through. Um, I'm huge in inbound marketing, thanks to Khalil. You know, so all those blogs and articles and videos and podcasts, whatever we do, you know, all that stuff becomes more important because you're you you have to really solidify your brand as being the specialist in your niche. You know, as and mm-hmm. that's 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 really really super important at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I think the reason why, I mean the people don't so and we'll do episodes on inbound marketing there are some in the past but we'll be even more clear for each of these uh you know yeah how it these thresholds. To the zones yeah or the thresholds yep yeah but you know that the reason why the in, why inbound marketing has such a big impact is because it causes you to think differently mm-hmm. um it changes the way that you sell it's more an education based method of selling yeah but you, your sales, what, what's really great about it is that your sales cycle shortens. Yeah. Instead of you going out and having to have multiple conversations with people, they're being educated through the content that you're making, through what you're putting out there. And then whenever they're ready to buy, whenever they come to you to buy, they, they know they're ready to buy. Yep. And so it's now it, everything becomes a, a lot faster. Yeah. And whenever things get faster, you're able to fill that pipeline a lot easier. You're not as focused on that stuff, yep. it just, it really makes it a, a really good thing. And that's what most people miss about marketing in general and inbound marketing and, and not understanding the reason that people have blogs and things like that. The reason for it is just what you said, that content is out there working for you 24 seven. When they search for in our, in my case, <clears throat> when somebody searches for cabinet box components or ready to assemble cabinet boxes or whatever it is that they're searching for, my content's going to pop up in front of them and it's going to help them to educate themselves toward by the time they call me, we're talking about some pretty little stuff. You know, we're talking about maybe some of our specific capabilities or maybe even the type of machinery we have or some of, you know, some very specific things. But when it comes down to us, they know what it's going to cost. They know what materials they can use. They know how they're going to order it. They know how long it's going to take to get them. They, they know all the pertinent stuff. So when it comes to us talking, Basically, we've already got that rapport built, and I've never met them. And that that just yep. allows you to get down to business and and get to know this person, and you get to know their business. And that's way more exciting than just providing a customer product. It's a lot more exciting to get to know a customer on a personal level. Yeah, and it it, it further removes you from the process, which then puts more value into your shop, makes it easier yep. to you know sell your business one day yep. to hire people, all those different things like. I know if you're trying to hire a really good salesperson and you don't have a robust website and a good presence online and education and art in the form of articles and videos and all these different things, 
that salesperson has to be super, super qualified. And you're just adding so much work because they basically have to do all that themselves. Yeah. But if you have all of these things in place with your you know, sales enablement content, your inbound marketing content, a great website, an easy order process, that sales per- that those really good salespeople are like, oh, wow, my job just got so much easier. I can focus on relationships mm-hmm. and I can, I can send out this content. I can just send links to articles on the website. I can, I can empower my team, uh, with, or sorry, my customers with this information. Um, it, they, that's where they want to go. You've made their job so much easier. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's talk about, you know, the, the importance of vision inside of this threshold. Like I know you're really, you're not scared about the next threshold because you do have a really focused and defined vision for what you're doing. Right. So, so why is that, why is that important? Well, I think I've always related to vision as kind of that lighthouse in the distance of, um, it's a landmark way out there that honestly you'll never reach more than likely you'll never reach it. So, um, it's, it's so far out there that, um, like for instance, what's the best vision I can think of? It's like Disney. It's, I don't know the exact words, but a smile on every face, you know, um, yeah. you know, they could never reach that vision, but everything they do is tethered to it. So yeah, the, the great thing about a vision is when not only when you plan a vision out there, here's, here's where we go. Here's our lighthouse. When your employees buy into that vision, even they start making decisions based on if it's getting you closer to the lighthouse or farther away. So if you start veering off path, uh, even your employees can remind you, Hey, does this keep us on our vision? You know? And then if the answer is no, then the answer is no to the project. So, or the, or the deal Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, that's the, the vision is, is a big deal. It takes a lot of thought, but if you really look at what you're good at, then your, your vision is going to kind of lay itself out. I just, I just encourage you to make your vision, not something that's, you know, make every customer happy, you know, or <laughs> what, you know, just a generic, it needs to be something, you know, mine is I want to be the most efficient cabinet com- component manufacturer in the world. I know that I'm never going to reach that, but it, gives me a landmark to where we can drive all of our decision-making. Does it fit? Does this fit into our vision? Yes or no. Yeah. And it, it's well, and I think, it, I think the big thing about that, Jeff, you, you've never arrived when you're yep. going through these thresholds, you know, when you're in that honeymoon phase, you think you've arrived. Oh, you're, yeah. Like when you're in the honeymoon, you're like, wow, like we're doing it. We started a business We're we've got our own work, you know, we stuck it to the man. And, but you know, as you get into more of these thresholds, you know, especially when you're in, you know, that 250 to 500, uh, 500, where it's like really challenging and you're learning that it's not just about, you know, woodworking, it's about the business of woodworking. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you're like, did I really sign up for this? Like, this sucks. This is so hard. And you think that this is where you're going to be. But if you have that vision of like where you want to go and what you want, you're able to push past these thresholds because you know that it's going to be worth it. And you yeah, know that it's temporary and road. you know that there's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, it's, it's something on the path and there's a way to get through it. And really, I think that goes back to the story. I, I talked about Samuel Pierpont Langley, you know, um, back in the late 1800s, 
commissioned by the government, uh, Princeton professor, had all the resources, all the capital, everything that he could ever need um, to build this flying machine. And we we all know, I mean, I think the Wright brothers, but Samuel Pierpont Langley was not the first one to build a flying machine. Who was it? It was, it was these two brothers in Dayton, Ohio, who owned a bicycle shop mm-hmm. and they, they ran the bicycle shop, but they're, they use all their profit for their hobby, for their passion of flying. And they would literally know, they knew that they were going to crash. And so they would take multiple parts from their bike shop to these test sites where they were going to try to fly. Knowing it's got to fix they knew, it. <laughs> they would have to fix it. They knew that they were going to fail and they, but they, they were prepared to like, keep trying and keep going through it. And it's all because they had that, they knew their why that we wanted to fly. We wanted to make this a reality. We, they had that passion. They had that vision and, you know, it didn't take all of the capital, all of the talent, um, all of the opportunities. It, it took that, that why. Mm -hmm. And if you're really wanting to go through these thresholds, if you're wanting to, to keep improving, you have to know your why. And I know it's a really like fuzzy, uh, cliche thing to talk about, but it's so true. If you know what you want, you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And you're going to have, you know, the encouragement to get through some of these really difficult thresholds. Uh, and just as proof, like that, even if you do have all the capital and all the resources and talent, that's not what it takes. Like the day, like right after the Wright brothers flew the first plane, Samuel Pierpont Langley and their, and his team quit. Wow. Because all they wanted to do was be the first one to fly. They didn't have the passion to fly. Yeah. And the same, same thing will happen. You know, you're going to reach that threshold and then you're going to say, oh, well, this isn't worth it. I didn't, I didn't, I just created a job for myself. That's really stressful. I just want to go back and work for somebody else. Yeah. Like you'll quit if you don't have that passion. Sure. It's not about having all the resources, not about having, um, the right opportunities and all that stuff. It's just about you knowing what you want and really being passionate about it. So, um, yeah. I think this has been really good to cover these. I'm excited to dive deeper into each of them. Yeah. Um, I wanted to to um, just give some key tips. You know, as you're going through this, what are the you know the the top things that you would say to to someone um, that's trying to move past thresholds, regardless of whatever threshold they're in? What are the most important ones? Probably the most important ones are, are not being just a yes person or yes, you know, not just saying yes to everything that comes across your, your plate. So find defining kind of what you're, what you're good at, uh, build your team early. Even if it's just one person, make sure that one person is the best that you can get. If you're hiring a laborer, make sure it's the best laborer you can get. Yeah. Um, and then from day one, start making sales a priority. Start with an hour a week that that's all you do is sell one hour, you know, and then build from there and then definitely find somebody that's above you. And when I say above you, I'm saying threshold wise, you know, more bigger than you are, looks successful to you, um, or, or find an actual business coach. Cause that's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me in my business life was actually hiring a coach. Um, and just Google it, find one around you and, and interview them, you know, but, um, or go to a cabinet shop and find a mentor. I mean, everybody likes to talk about their craft. So do the earlier you can do those processes, uh, the better off you're going to be, easier life's going to be, the bigger you get. Yeah, absolutely. I think my things are, you know, I, I think just creating time for yourself, yep. getting off of the shop floor 
and delegate as much as you can that fire yourself mentality that we talked about. Um, and just like we just said, go create a vision, set goals for yourself. You know, what you write down will happen. Um, you know, if, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to wind up somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing is do a SWOT analysis, uh, outline what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what opportunities are out there, what threats there are to your business, uh, to your shop, do a SWOT analysis because it, it helps you to see things a little bit more clearly and it'll allow you to double down on your strengths, to delegate your weaknesses, to think more creatively about the opportunities in front of you and maybe take a little bit more risk and move forward and stop just waiting. Um, and then you'll know what your threats are and you'll try to hedge yourself against them. Um, and if you're ever having trouble with making a decision about something as you're going through these thresholds, don't wait. Um, I mean, yes, go and seek advice, make a pros and cons list, but be decisive. For sure. I, I see too many people struggle because they're too afraid to make a decision. Just waffling back and forth, and yeah. If you fail, you fail. You make a mistake, but learn from it and change. You know, but make a decision, be decisive. Um, so yeah, excited to get into all these. Um, I did want to, before we kind of wrap up with our final segments here, um, I did want to, you know, if you do visit the push through website, uh, the pushthrough.com, the P U S H T R H R U.com. Um, we have updated the site a lot and we're actually getting ready to start something in in quarter four. Yeah about, um, you know, it's, it's gonna be masterminds and really that's, we know that it can be tough to find people like you. And that's essentially what a mastermind is. It's a fancy word for a group of people that get together regularly that have common goals and they give feedback and accountability to to each other. Um, so basically what we're going to do is we're going to have a mastermind for that, that startup phase, which would be zero to 500. So kind of including that honeymoon and brute off awkward phase that we talked about, um, or brute force and awkwardness, sorry. Yeah. Um, and doing that in one stage and we're going to limit it to 15 people, but we're going to get 15 people together, uh, once a month. And we're just going to talk about the issues that we're going through and do some education and discussion. Um, and what's great is we're not going to be putting people that are in the same city or even same state. Um, yeah, so it'll be intercompetitive. Yes, it'll be ex- everybody that's on the, it'll be people like-minded individuals, uh, focused yep. on the one goal of everybody in that group getting better. Exactly. And so you're not worried about competing, but you're no. just, you're, you're trying to grow together. Um, then we're going to have that intermediate stage for 500 to 1 million. We'll have an advanced stage for one to 3 million. Um, and then we're actually going to, if there are shops out there that are more, you know, on Jeff's level right now. Uh, what we would call elite, we're actually going to have an even smaller group of just six people um, that are inside of that. Yeah. And what's great is, you know, if you're on the bubble there, we can, we can, we'll, we'll interview you and figure out if we can get you adva- into one of the the section that's just above you so that you're able to learn from people yeah. that are right above you as well. And I would encourage um, that. I mean, if you're, if you're bumping up there on the startup phase and you're already doing 300, 400,000 or something in that range, I would highly encourage you to consider bumping up because you want to be looking forward to what the people that are already in the intermediate phase are doing so you can learn mm-hmm. from there. So we want to have a mixture. Um, so we want to have people that are in the bottom, middle and end of each of these uh, segments and each one of these masterminds. So um, 
this is something I have wanted to do for the last year and just haven't been in the position to do it. And I think that this, um, I, I am, I'm so excited about this possibility. The other thing I think it's worth mentioning, Khalil, is once you get in one of these groups, um, when, when we do a couple of these, we're going to have something to the effect of a forum or, or a page that everybody kind of belongs to. So once you uh, uh, are a part of one of these groups, uh, after the, the quarter is over and that group has kind of done, there's still going to be a forum and a place for communication and networking and stuff like that one-on-one can still happen. So it's not just a you're in, then you're out. It's going to be a, right. a something you can continue a relationship on. We don't exactly know what that's going to look like right now. But it is going to be we, we're, we're looking to build a community here of like minded individuals that are in all different realms uh, of their business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you're interested in that at all, just go to uh, the push go click on masterminds or you can just go to the push slash masterminds. You're going to see the four different stages there. Whatever one you feel like you fit into, uh, just click on the learn more button. It's going to pop up a little form for you fill that out and then we'll get in contact with you and chat about it and see if that's something that you're interested. But yeah, that's going to be starting in Q4. Um, really excited for it. Q4 2020. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback on it as well. Yeah, for, so cool. yeah. So um, let's wrap up here. Tool of the day for people um, just in general. I mean, any stage of this, what, yeah, what is something yeah. that you would recommend? So something I still use on a weekly basis is my little HP sprocket Bluetooth printer, um, prints off little pictures, wallet size pictures that are sticky on the back. We You're such them. a little kid. I know I am. I like my toys. <laughs> I like my toys. Um, I've actually looked those up and literally like it's pictures of like teenage girls printing out photos from their phone. Well, my daughter's got one and she uses it all the time. And, and yes, <laughs> my, mine is just not pink, but other than that, it's exactly the same, but yeah, it's, it's great. We use it for SOPs so you can take a picture of something, stick it on there. We use it for inventory Kanban. So you can take a picture of the screw or drawer slide or whatever and stick it on the place on the inventory rack. It belongs. So it's a, uh, it's just, and it's anybody can use it. All the employees are, free to use it. They can hook up to it and print a picture. So, um, that's definitely my, my tool of the day. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet. I think it's, it's really cool to see all the stuff that you have around your shop with it. Yeah. Um, so mine, man, I make use of the voice memos app so frequently. Um, I mean, it's helpful just in any sense, but, um, you know, sending message to your messages to your employees, uh, letting them know about tasks, not waiting till you can meet with them in person, record a little voice memo, send it to them. Um, you're having trouble thinking through something, talk to yourself on the voice memo app as you're driving, or, you know, maybe whenever you're working on something, um, that doesn't require your full attention and go back and listen to it later, send it to a friend and see if they can help you out through it or through to your coach. Um, another, another big one that I really recommend people use the, the voice memos app for record your systems on there. Um, sometimes it's harder to do it through a video, but just walk through the process of how you would do something and then send it to your secretary or to one of your employees and say, Hey, will you, will you write this out? You can even dictate, uh, that's a little bit more complicated, but you can have them dictated to where they they're on a form now or on a document that now it's a written SOP that you've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just use the voice memos app, uh, across the board. I I'm right now I'm using it a lot to encourage employees. I'll record a voice memo and then I'll send it to an employee just like, Hey, really appreciate how, you know, how you did this today and 
you know, I got this feedback from a, a customer or a client uh, that, you know, they, they really love this. And I know that that was all you so thankful that you're on our team. Um, those things really do mean a lot and you don't have to make it as complicated um, as you might think it is. For so, sure. Um, use that voicemail was up on yep. your, I'm sure there's, if you're an Android, there's something similar, but on iPhone, it's the, I don't, I mean, there's only like five or 10 Android users out there. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. So what's our one thing for this episode? One thing, um, man, just, you, you kind of, you're, you're kind of who you surround yourself with. So surround yourself with great people and, and your, your company's going to do great things just cause that's who you're surrounded with. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's our goal with those masterminds. And For sure. that's the purpose of having a good business coach. That's the purpose of hi- hiring good people around you. Just don't, if, if you're settling with who you surround yourself with, you're settling for who you're going to become. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Um, okay. Well, really quick recap snapshot of, uh, the entire show. Um, you know, again, Jeff loves pizza, right? Uh, that's how we started it, but <laughs> we talked about pizza Samuel Peel. Great. Pizza. <laughs> Great pizza. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe one day we'll do a pizza giveaway. All right. Hey, there you go. And, <laughs> I think I need to come try this pizza. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, we talked about Samuel Pierpont Langley back in the 1800s wanting to build a flying machine, but didn't have that really that, that why and that vision behind what he was doing. And, and that led to, you know, him, even though he had every capability in the world, he wasn't able to get, uh, build the first plane and the Wright brothers beat him to it because they did. Um, we talked about, what thresholds are, uh, just their, you know, mental and physical barriers that are in our way from growth. And, um, we talked about, you know, some examples of those being just hiring your first employee or buying your first machine or outsourcing your first job or getting into a bigger building. Those are some of the thresholds. Um, we talk about the different levels of those thresholds, zero to 250, 250 to 500, 500 to a million, million to 2 million, 2 million to 5 million, and just all the different areas that are important throughout there. Um, we talked about how you identify thresholds just by, you know, maybe getting a little too stressed out, having too much on your plate, uh, not being able to grow, uh, running out of things to improve. Um, just how that's how you would identify that you're at a threshold. And, um, we talked about how you can move past those by not being a yes person, by building a quality team around you, uh, by starting to make sales a priority, by getting a coach, or a mentor surrounding yourself with other cabinet shops or woodworking shops. Um, we talked about, you know, getting stuff off your plate and delegating more to open up more time for yourself. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, knowing your vision and how important that is and setting goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about doing a SWOT analysis to know where you stand and really looking ob- objectively at your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we talked about some great tools, the HP Sprocket, Sprocket printer and the voice memos app. So, mm-hmm. Lots that we covered. Hope that you guys enjoyed it. Um, excited to dive into deeper each of these uh, thresholds a little bit deeper in our next episodes and um, talk about all the different areas that matter. So, Jeff, thanks for your sure. time, man. Looking forward to the next one. Okay. All right. Talk, talk to you later. soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Push Through Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and visit thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com for exclusive content, articles, and more.